When you know who you are, what you're about, what you're willing to do, who you're willing to be, but you play with an out vision. Oh, that's where change happens. Oh, that's where you can really create the space for others to want to come and do and partner with you. It creates opportunity way more. Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale. And these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch or two or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come join us. Okay, here we go. I'm so excited this week. It has been a crazy season in my world and I am back home in Noosa, Queensland in my own bed and I am pumped to be here having this conversation on the Global Human Intelligence Podcast today. Oh my goodness, I tell you the opportunities that have been opening up over the last little while is exciting. And I think there's a few things that I want to take from it, not to go, wow, look at me, but to go, hey, is this possible for you to have in what you're doing? Remember how I always say, when you exercise the muscle of human intelligence, there is the opportunity for you to make smarter decisions and be smarter in what you do and how you do it. I think that this is such a key to opportunities opening up for you. I know it's been, and I've talked about this on the podcast, there have been seasons over this last little while that have been really tricky, and I mean tricky, right, where I have had to go kind of go into almost the dark season and go, do I want to do this anymore? Do I want to do what I'm doing? Do I want to even pursue a bigger vision than what I'm doing? Or do I just want to sit under a pina colada, become a researcher, or just produce some writings and hope someone along the way may even just read it? And it was really tempting at the time. And I mean really tempting, right? It was so tempting. But I have to say to you, like the opportunity today that I've just come off and the opportunities that have opened up even just in the last two weeks, has been off the planet amazing. Do you want to know what I was on? Yep, here's the thing. You know I talk about being and working with pioneers and innovators and cutting-edge, you know, CEOs and founders in the global landscape or across the global landscape. Well, today, the meeting I was on was actually all around the galactic space and talking about space and 
building a movement of economy up in space. And I think there's a really interesting thing here. So you all know that my biggest focus is how do we add value every time we make a decision that's going to add to the human race? That doesn't mean, and I want this to be extremely clear, that doesn't mean that we don't build things that builds capital, that gives access to the human race to be able to do things, whether it's have a bit of fun, whether it is to educate others, whether it is to be able to meet not just your needs, but even some wants, to share some love with other people, whatever that looks like. I believe that it's not one or the other. It is. We have to increase economic access, right? And we have to, at the same time, make sure we're accelerating human or like culture impact, right? I am really clear on this. So I'm framing that for you because here is what I was just on. Going back to that story, I was on around building a distillery that, yep, you have access to on space, in space, and I can feel some of those prickles coming up already. So the humanity side of it is, okay, if, and this is the question that I brought up on, was, okay, if one of the roots, and I'm not saying alcohol is a bad thing. In, in moderation or as part of a meal. I know one of the beautiful experiences that I had in Europe was the experience of an amazing wine or an amazing limoncello in Italy with my meal or after my meal. And it added flavor. It added part of the, the flavor of the evening or the lunch with others at the table. I loved it. I'm a massive advocate. But if I go back to the thinking that if we look at the root causes, because that's what we've got to start doing to narrow that gap from problem to solution across the globe, there is even some argument to say alcohol can be one of those root causes. So why would we be building out something that is, you know, going to be maybe possibly adding, adding to that problem by creating another one in space. When really what we're looking at is going, if you look, and I have heard this a lot because for some reason it's coming across my table a lot right now. And that is that if we continue at the space and time that we are with humanity on this earth, earth is not going to cope with it. I mean, that's why there's a lot of upheaval around what we're doing to the environment, how we're treating the environment. It's not just, and you can't ignore it. It is, if you look at stats, there is much that is destroying. But there's ways we can be more effective. And that, of course, is going to help the earth and make it way more sustainable. I'm not saying that. So haters love me because I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if we are going to access space to make space for the human race as it keeps increasing, because by the way, human race is not decreasing. It is on the increase. And if that's the case, where do we put humans? Then we need to make sure, and my thinking is, 
that we need to make sure that if we are to do things, whether it's mining from Earth to uh, on space, whether it's creating distilleries on space, whether it's creating tourism on space, whether it's even creating a whole community that live on space full time, then I would want to know that when we're building out those things, that we are adding value to the human race. So instead of going, hey, that's terrible, we shouldn't be doing that. I think when we are putting these things together, designing these things, we need to be very careful. How does that look? What does that look like? And how will, will we ensure that we are adding value to the table, not taking away? And that, my friend, is the conversation that I want to be a part of. I love the fact that it's so innovative, this whole concept, high-end, you know, um, distillery on space kind of concept. I love the fact that we're talking about a whole thing that doesn't exist right now. And there's the opportunity for much to happen. How fun's that? I love the fact that this is pioneering in the way that it's new. But instead of going, I'm against it, I'm against change, and many probably would think if I'm for humanity that I would be, but I'm not. What I'm against is when we connect with companies that maybe are not going to make ethical decisions. I am against when we are adding to the problem, not taking away. I'm against when the whole thinking and the whole brand is about a self-made person, not what is beneficial for the collective. And I think that one of the ways that we have, and I, this is what, where all my work is around, is that we need to have a voice. As civil society, the problem has been that we've given it to government or we've given it to organizations that haven't made ethical decisions or we've let others around us make decisions that, you know, is not beneficial to the human race going forward. I think, you know, and it's interesting because anytime you add a humanity into it, people think that's great for those that want to listen to it. And you obviously are one of those people that want to listen to it because you wouldn't come to the Global Human Intelligence podcast if you were not. And I get that some out there go, humanity, why would we talk about that? I want to just build a company in a that is, you know, making this amount of bot at the bottom line. And I get that. I understand that. But actually, I don't think it harms. In fact, I think it's a benefit. I think it's a differentiation if you now add value to the human race as you're building that out. But you have to stand strong. And you have to stand strong to what that would look like for you to be able to do that and what you're willing to say or not be a part of. So here's the thing. I would not be willing to be a part of that group if I thought they were just building it for themselves and that there was just a whole lot of money and companies just so people could get drunk on space. That is not what I'm talking about. 
But if it's helping to advance an, an economy that, by the way, is going to happen if you want it or not, why not have a voice in there and make a difference? And that's the belief I have of that. I know that's kind of hard hitting straight off on a podcast. I would love feedback on what you think about that. What does that bring up for you? Have you thought about that? And where have you got a voice right now? But maybe, just maybe, you could have more of a voice. And if you stood strong on what you believed, would that mean that actually you would be heard above the noise? And I think that this is important, right? So anyway, what I love about that is it kind of is a lovely reflection of the conversation I had with Lisa, which was the previous podcast here on the Global Human Intelligence Podcast. Oh, she's a bundle of fire. I love her to bits. Honestly, it's like a reflection of the younger self of me. Yeah, I have to say it. And it hurts every time I see her that, wow, I was once that person. No, I love it. Do you know what I love about it? Is she's so far ahead of where I was at that age. And I love the youth. And I think there's so much we can learn from someone who has that fresh look at things. And often it's looking at some of the things we've looked at for a long time, but they're looking through fresh eyes, through a generation that's been brought up with different priorities other thoughts and insights. And what I love about that podcast is it's a freshness to what she is thinking, what she's done, and how that could really help lots of people. And I love the fact that she's amongst it all, she's extremely strategic with such a passion. And for someone who has that too, It's so refreshing hanging out with her. And I actually just got to hang out with her again in the US. And I loved every moment of it. May have even, going back to Apple, enjoyed a glass or two of champagne with her. But I loved it. And we looked at not just her things, but also looking at the 1% movement. And I wanted her perspective. And I think this is something that I hope you don't look at or listen to the conversation I had with her and go, well, what does she know? She knows a lot and she has insights that where we may hesitate because we've got old conditioning or biases, she moves straight into and doesn't hesitate. What I love about it also is this, and I think this is always a reminder Sometimes when we've been on this journey for a while, some of us a little longer than others, I don't know where you are at on this, but I do know I'm on this journey and have been on it for a little while now. There are some things that we can teach to those that are new to the journey or have not been on this journey as long as others. And I actually really love, in the Bible, it talks about the older woman teaching the younger woman. I love that concept. And I've always been extremely aware of the older generation and their learning. And I've always had mentors that are way ahead of where I am at in life and maybe not even in the industry at all. In fact, most of them haven't been in any of the industries that I've been involved in, but the wisdom that they've brought to the table 
has been something that I could never pay for. And I'm so grateful for that. And many of the lessons I have learned, I continue to use in my work today. So I love that relationship between a mentor and and the learning or the mentee, isn't it? It reminds me of the mentee. Okay, I'll try not to get distracted. A mentee? Do you know what a mentee is? Is that just a Kiwi thing? Like, I know I had them in New Zealand. I think they're here in Australia. I don't eat them anymore, so I have no idea. Anyway, it's a lolly for those that are a sweet or a boiled, boiled lolly? Is that what you say? Sweet? Boiled sweet. I don't know. Anyway, that was a little distraction there. A mentee and a mentor, not the boiled lolly. All right. Now getting back to the story, what I love about it is that, like I said, there's much that she can learn from being involved and from my journey. But what I love about it, like I just said before, is her fresh eyes. I love her thinking. I love seeing it through her lens. And I know for years I was a youth speaker, spoke to many, many young people, many young people, worked with many young people on projects and initiatives. And I always was fascinated in the way that others thought and how they saw it. And I think sometimes if we think about that in the way that we're running our organizations, our companies, our businesses, in or our ecosystem, as I talk about, how are we communicating? Are we still using lenses that are from the old age? <laughs> do we need an upgrade? And if we need an upgrade, what do they need to look like? It's funny because even when sometimes we know that we need to talk about something, say an old lens isn't working anymore and if we go back to the example of the meeting I've just come from and one of the things that was on it was you know he spoke the CEO spoke about bringing good things on earth into space and I wanted to know what those good things are and what do I mean by that with old lens new lens I think sometimes it's great that we know that there's a need for a new lens. So there's a need to take good things on earth and maybe create space in space. But how do we do that in a way that is going to be not just saying good things on earth in space? And we actually need to define what that could look like or how to do that or What are we willing to do to make that a reality? And that's often where the downfall is. We know that the old lens isn't working. We know we need to disrupt that pattern. But what is the new lens? What's a new approach that we're going to take? And how's that going to affect what we're doing? And how could we measure it to see if it's even working if we try it? And those are the things that, all of the conversation that I'm having with leaders across the globe right now, with CEOs, business owners, founders, that this is the conversation I'm having, is going, okay, let's have a look at what that new approach could be, but let's have measurements around it so that we can see if we're hitting the targets, the outcomes, the results that you're wanting But let's set it up in a way that 
we can try these new things and know as time goes on whether we need to shift a little to the left or to the right. And I think that's the exciting thing about doing things, a new approach, is many of you say you love freedom. Many of you say you love adventure. But how adventurous are you in the business world? Are you getting quite stale? Are you staying to the same? And I think what I loved about Lisa in our podcast was it was such a new, not new to what she was saying so much, but a new look through of what she was saying at the old. And I love that because sometimes it's not changing all of the old. It's just looking through a fresh eye, a fresh lens. And I love that. And I love her willingness. And that's why she's got to where she is to build out things that she did because she loved it. She saw it as a problem and she's built things around it, knowing that she can be part of that solution. So what if you were to move from the old? What if you were to think as big as, and you don't have to think this, I'm just using it as an example, space, and you started thinking and looking through those lenses. Would you do it the same way that you'll continue to do in the last little while? I think that's exciting. And it really does create the opportunity, I think, for change to happen in a way that is beneficial to the human race. So let's have a look at a couple of things that I think are great focuses to think about when you're looking at the new. It is one is educated risk. I think that this is important. Why is it important? Because we've always got to look at risk. And, you know, there's many in corporate that talk about risk management and do a much greater job around that than I would ever do. I don't like talking about risk because I don't look at things thinking about all the risks. But I have to say to you, I do briefly look at, is there risk? Am I okay with that risk, knowing the risk that I know of? In other words, is it an educated risk? And what I mean by educated risk in this communication style is from the data that I know and have in front of me right now, do I know what those risks are? Is it an educated risk by me being able to go and make a decision around that now. In other words, will I be willing to take that risk, knowing the risk that's there from what I can see, but still make a decision on that? And I do that a lot. It's why, you know, last year I studied global business with Harvard. I did that because I wanted to see what the trends were that they were seeing across the globe what they have learned from the past when seeing patterns like that, and then what that looks like in their predictions and my predictions going forward. And I did that because if I'm playing in such a global space, helping you know organizations and companies and businesses to build out what they need to do, then I need to understand from whatever perspective I can get, 
of what people are predicting for the future. Because we need to look at the future and analyze that to how that could be aligned with the outcome you want. That's what that piece is. And we need to assess where you've come from, what that looks like, what you've learned from that and what you're taking forward of what you're leaving behind. Those are the patterns of the past. We don't stay there. We just learn from them. And then we need to look at where you are now, the starting point, your starting point, and go, how do we play with that? So an educated risk has to come into play when looking at the future, when looking at the past, when looking at where you are now and what you're willing to take. There may be spaces and times and phases in your life, seasons in your life, where you are way more able to take a bigger risk, whether it's financial, whether it's capacity-wise, whether it's time-wise, whatever it is. And so that decision is actually a no today. And that's okay. I get it. But I do know if you want to play at a much bigger level, like I said, playing at space level kind of thing, then you need to learn how to take educated risk and be able to do that. And the quicker you can do that and more effective way you can do that, the quicker those opportunities actually come your way. A slight disruption to the conversation. I have a question for you. Are you even a little curious to see how you can use your platform to change the conversation? To maybe design solution pathways where you have certainty and afford movement? Or truly do you want to increase your economic and cultural impact? Awesome human, if you want to lead, to pioneer a new approach, to role model what is possible and to leave sustainable footprints for the generations to come, then I would love for you to reach out to me and the team to see if we're the right fit to make this a reality for you. And if we're not, no hard feelings, as I know many awesome humans who may be the right one. Okay. I've included three ways in the show notes where you can begin a pathway with us on a journey to your next level. One, a strategy analysis. Two, the next growth incubator cycle. Three, a potential investment partnership. As founder and CEO of Decision Velocity Global, I'm all about building a sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem where humanity, like you, are stakeholders to design cutting-edge solution pathways and to narrow the gap from problem to solution. I want you to come on this journey with me and others and not to be left behind. There is a seat at the table for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. It's pretty amazing. All right, so that's one. What else to play at that bigger level? It's again going back to that future thing and being able to put yourself in the future. Where would you want to be? What would that need to look like? And build a vision out that is huge. And then you think about someone like Lisa. Like she's a young female, and I mean young, in a often 
very male, 50 plus environment. There's a gap between that. And I love her way she holds herself and stays true to herself even when she's in that environment. So you, because she does that, because she has a bigger vision that is not her necessarily where she's at right now, but she's shifting towards that. So you need to be able to hold a vision and some can hold a little future. In other words, in the near future, maybe in the soon future. But what if you could hold that future? And I always talk about this, but the legacy future, which is if I'm leaving behind and my last breath is, hey, I'm so I'm so glad that I got to do this on earth. And this is what I got indeed. That vision, that future, what would that need to look like? Then you need to be able to hold a bigger vision. And that is the sustainable solution, but it's also long-term. And I think this is where a lot of the downfall is that there's so much short-term. We feed, we stimulate the short-term and we get excited about the short-term and we forget that the long-term is actually the sustainable solution. And you have to be able to do that well if you're going to play at a really big level. You have to hold a vision, not just you hold the vision, but you have to bring that vision to play by bringing others on that journey, even though it's not a reality, even though it's not real yet. And as it grows, then you've got to bring them on that journey with you to continue to keep growing that. So risk and a future vision is really important. And what's a third thing? Whoops, I just dropped my pen and picking it up now. I like holding a pen in my hand sometimes when I'm talking like this to you guys um, because I don't really know. I, I actually don't know why. If you know why I hold a pen sometimes while I'm talking, feel free to let me know. And it's, it's a Sharpie, not a, not a normal pen. Anyway, I think because I hold, I love, okay, so this is a little disclaimer to holding a Sharpie in my hand, but I think I hold it in my hand because I'm usually moving my arms really like massive. That's why I fit in the Italy culture because I use my arms all the time to express how I'm feeling, what I'm feeling. And, and I think when I hold the pen while I'm on this podcast, that it keeps my arms stiller, stiller, <laughs> keeps my arms still so that I can actually really talk to you without making lots of noise behind the microphone right now. So there you go. That's my thinking on it. If you've got a different thinking on it, let me know. Okay, going back to the actual conversation we're having here. Number one, I think it's educated risk, looking at that. I think it's uh, future vision. So knowing whether you're going to play the smaller, the medium, or just go legacy. And then it's being able to hold that vision and stay true to that vision, no matter what decisions you are making from now on, right? And many don't do that because it gets tough or the challenges come or people give you a hard time for your vision. I know. I, I've lived with that. I've, I've had it so much in as I've been building things out. And 
that's okay because a lot of the time as I was building it out, I didn't quite have it right. I had pieces of it. I had pieces that worked, but they didn't work all together. So it made it confusing. And so it's an evolution of as you're building that out. But the vision has never changed. I looked, you know, I looked at my original and I, I'm kind of scared to say it because you might go look at it because it's still up online. But I looked at my original business I really started out with. And you know what? Even though it was done in a really different way, the foundation to the vision of it all hasn't changed. I'm still doing that. I'm just playing at a different level. And my words that I'm using are different because of who I'm having conversations with and working with, right, and partnering with. So I just love that. And because, you know, sometimes it's easy to to have a vision for next week or today and do that and achieve it. And we feel good about ourselves. But I have to tell you, and that's why I'm excited about them, why I came on so excited with the last couple of weeks, because a lot of what is opening up right now are things that I'm excited to be a part of. And it's only opened up because I've been willing to stay true to the bigger vision of what I'm about and what I'm to add value in the decisions that I'm meant to be doing here on earth. So, you know, what is that bigger vision for you? And are you playing at a big enough level? Do you know how to do that? And that's why I'm creating the 1% movement. You know, it's those that are willing to do their 1%. Everyone's willing to do the normal 99%. Like it's easy to do that. But are you willing to stand out and be that 1% and the 1% that actually can bring the change to how we build out culture across the globe? And if you want help doing that, I'm here. So reach out and let's have a conversation around it. But anyway, that's not what I'm I'm talking about right now. But I do think that there is only a select few that necessarily think they can do the 1%. And I want to disrupt that because I actually believe every one of us can and need to do our 1%. See, my 1%, you want to know what that is? Okay, my 1% is this. By 2054, a few years time yet, the population will be at a space where if I achieve the outcome that I want, what is that? And that is by 2054. 54, around about there, 52, 54, I can't remember. It's around there anyway. I need to find what that is. Of a billion people, billion humans like you, willing to do your 1% shift, then that would be one-tenth of the population. Now, you go one-tenth? Hello? One-tenth can change the directory, the direction the pathway forward for culture, whether in business, whether on the home space, whether up in space, whether in government, whether in leadership, whether in the medical field, scientists, innovative field, SAS field, all these industries, if everyone was doing their 1%, that would actually change 
where culture is. It would change how we have access to economic growth and what is that is being used. So I need you to help me. I know there's amazing and lots of listeners listening to this podcast. We are seeing the numbers. It is amazing. And I'm so grateful for every single one of you. I'm not taking that for granted. I'm just amazed, seriously amazed. I need you to help me to get those names up on the wall of humanity. Go to the 1%movement.com. It's not perfect. It's still an evolution of this is just phase one of it. We are going to be doing an official launch on November the 8th. And in the meantime, go to the wall of humanity. In other words, on the 1%movement.com. If you go there, you will just press, press where all those people are on there and go to the wall and put your 1% shift up on the wall. Okay, so that's the third thing that's needed to happen is people playing and knowing what that 1% is. So go to the 1%. And when you go there, don't get confused. Don't run away. Just know you can do it and play with your 1% as big or as little as you have capacity to do now. So why is this important? Because I want to, for me, The 1% movement is important because I want to live a life worth living, to role model what is possible, to bring a new approach to what is possible, to help narrow the gap from problem to solution and amongst culture and make sure that when we're building out the economic growth, that it is actually adding value to humanity because that's where I can have a voice. It's where I can help civil society to stop adding to the problem and hopefully bring some solution to the table. Because I think it's easy, and I always say this on here, it's easy to know what the problem is. But are we willing to own what that solution is? And that's what the 1% is around, right? So when you are, and that's why it's so important to me, the 1% movement, because I want to build out a movement of people who are the one percenters. And there's going to be so many cool ways in which you can come on board with the 1% movement. But the starting point, while we're waiting for all the other pieces to come together so that I can share them with you and bring it in a bigger way on the launch on November the 8th, while we're doing that, I'm asking you, go put your 1% up on the wall. What are you willing to do? How are you willing to add your value, to lead in a pathway forward? What is the meaning? Why is it important to you to do your 1%? And so if you think about my 1%, it's, it's by 2052 or 4, I can't remember. I, I need to find that out. Let's say 54 just for the the sake of this. So 2054, I want a billion names on the wall of humanity who are willing to do their 1% shift. That is my 1% shift. So I'm going to do anything and everything to build out a movement that gets a billion and we're going to track it and we're going to continue to move it. 
through the different phases to get to a billion. I know, it's huge. I get it. Oh my goodness, I've sweated about this. I've cried about it. I've gone, no, not me, someone else. And I don't want to lead something like this. This sounds awfully scary and in the face of people. And then I went, but if I was looking back on my deathbed, would I be okay if I said, oh, I was expecting someone else. I was going to be willing to come along on that with them, but nothing got done. And reality was I would be extremely upset. And I know I've said this before many, many moons ago, but a thing that happened when my mom was on her deathbed was such a pivotal moment in my decision DNA. It really was because I got to ask her and I said, mom, like, I know you're dying. What does it feel like to be dying? And I'll never forget her faith. She's a woman of faith. She said, I'm, I'm really, Kerry Marie, I'm really, I'm at peace to where I'm going, but I haven't finished what I was meant to do here on earth. Those words have been one of the inspirations behind me building out something and playing at this big level because I never want to get to that stage of my last breath and go, I wish I could have. I haven't finished my work. I needed to. If only I had all of those things. And that is why a 1% shift is so important because if I do my 1% shift and I help others to do their 1% shift and we collaborate and partner up and create more 1% shifts, that really can shift the dial from problem to solution. And that, my friend, is what the 1% movement is all about. So Go to the 1percentmovement.com and put up on the wall of humanity your 1% shift. Make sure there's a measurement. So what I mean by a measurement is in the case of me, I know that I've hit my target when I've got a billion names up on that wall. I know how I'm helping or the, the change that I'm bringing is through, you know, people doing their 1% shifts. So that's what I need to track is people's 1% shifts. So I know I'm on target. I know I'm making a difference and there's data to back it all up. So others know it as well. And what is your measurement? How will you know you're on target? What's the result that you want to bring? How will you know and measure that? Is that just you're going to have seven conversations with different people every week. And that's going to help you build out what you need. Maybe it's you're you're going to help build a business that changes an industry. What's that business? How is it going to change an industry? And what is the thing that you're going to do to keep as a measurement so that you know change is happening? I can't wait to see what the new 1% shifts are going to go on the wall. And by the way, 
every week I'm going to just check out what that could look like and who's up there and I'm going to choose a special thing and I'm going to reach out to you and give you a special gift. All right. I can't wait to see what those 1% shifts are. So today, the three things that if you're going to play at this bigger level, I really want you to look at is educated risk. I want you to go, what's that future vision? And then the third thing is your 1% shift. It is the ultimate. By the way, the 1% shift is linked to your ultimate future vision. And then it's, but it's a commitment to, it's taking ownership of, and it's making it real so that if there's other people who want to collaborate with you, they know how to collaborate with you as well. And know that you're willing to do that. All right. Now, the other piece is the educator risk takes risk when you play at this level. So you need to know how you're going to do that, what you're willing to do, and how you bring that into a lens in which you make a decision. And that's extremely important as you continue to grow and go to your next level. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see who puts up their 1% shifts. I just want to finish up on today's conversation with, I want you to get excited that whatever it is that you're doing as your 1% shift, it's the right 1% shift for you. And it can be as small as I've said earlier in this conversation or as big as you want that to be. There's no judgment to that. What I find hard is when people are not willing to do that or when it's a self vision, not an out vision. So an in vision, not an out vision. And it's really hard to build a shift around something that's built around you. It's not impossible. And maybe that's where you're at. But I'd love you to think about stretching your thinking right now and go, if it was more of an out vision, in other words, beyond my own walls, would that be different to what you're doing now? Who would be involved in that? And what would be the impact from a decision you make that takes your vision away from an in-vision to an out-vision? And what I love is actually combining both of those things. You know me. I'm a, how does this work as pieces? And then how does it work within the pattern that you're creating? Here's the thing. When you know who you are, what you're about, what you're willing to do, who you're willing to be, but you play with an out vision. Oh, that's where change happens. Oh, that's where you can, you know, really create the space for others to want to come and do and partner with you. It creates opportunity way more. I don't know about you, but I know I find it really selfish when all I hear is someone talking about what they're doing or what they're creating and it's all about themselves. I don't want to be a part of that. So I tend to actually, if that's all I hear at the table, I'm one of those ones that zone out from it. 
I just don't have time for it anymore. Maybe you're more patient to me and you listen really carefully when someone's just talking about all their things and all the things that are important to themselves. I don't have that patience. But I love it. And I get excited no matter how small, how big, when someone is thinking beyond their walls. And it's funny because if you think about it in the old systems, a lot of what we were taught was you've got to get yourself educated. You've got to become a teacher or a lawyer so that you can be the best you. What if we had taught in those days around What's your genius zone? What do you do well and how could that serve others? And in what way would that add benefit to a problem we're seeing that actually then brings part of the solution instead of just all these individuals doing individual things and creating chaos because none of it works together. Not none of it, but some of it, you know, you get it. It's an interesting concept. So we were sort of ingrained in our conditioning through our education from a very, very young age to look in. I think that there's a lot of mental health because we look in and it's really hard. I've worked with a lot of people over the years and I don't now, but I used to work a lot of the time with people who, you know, they were wanting to jump off cliffs, suicide, depression, eating disorders, like I would get a lot of things, street kids, you name it, our brokenness, gangs. And many of the cases were mental health issues on top of needs not being met that were physical, emotional, spiritual, I don't know, you name it, it was there, right? And I think what is interesting if I think about that time is I could and we could focus in on that. But I can tell you, when I focus in on something that is hard, something that hurts, something that has pain, oh my goodness, I go down this downward spiral. And I do start feeling, oh, poor me. Oh, that sucks. Oh, this is hurting. Oh, this is horrible. Or I could spend my time finding out what it is I could focus in on being the 1%, taking the good risk, knowing that it's going to be risk that is educated, working towards the future vision because I don't like where I am right now. And that has taken me from an in-focus to an out-focus. So important because if I look in, which at times I find myself doing, then that's when I can be falling apart because I only look at what I lack, what I don't have, where I'm not at at this moment, rather than there is hope for. And I think I want to finish up on this conversation with you around there is hope. And that hope is not just this fluffy, oh, there's hope. There is actual hope because you can create what you need to that's in your control. And that's what these little things are, these little conversations in between when I have conversations with other amazing leaders across the globe. These conversations are to give you, I always call them hacks, little hacks to help you be more effective, to open up those opportunities for you, 
to bring possibility in your thinking and to stretch that muscle of human intelligence so that you can start thinking a little different, have a new approach to where you need to go and what you need to do. Every one of us has the capacity to evolve. It's a choice and it's a decision you can make right now that will change your future vision. And just as we finish, just remember that it's easy, right, for that quick fix vision, that quick fix solution at the table. And we get we get thanks and gratefulness for achieving something really fast. But the greater legacy is that of the longer decision, holding on to that longer vision, pioneering a different pathway. Because when you aren't here anymore, you leave behind footprints for others to follow in and springboard off and to take it to a whole different levels. What are you doing with your voice? How are you using your platform? And what are you doing to narrow that gap from problem to solution? I challenge you today to take what you've got in your hand, to go to the 1%movement.com and to put your 1% shift up on there. And I can't wait to see what they are and to do this journey with you in a bigger, in a better, more effective way. All right, big love. And I hope that this has been so beneficial for you. Make sure you put reviews on this podcast as well, right? We need to know what you're getting out of this, what you're looking for, how this is helping you and how I can make this even more effective as a conversation for where you are at right now. In the meantime, Thank you. Thank you for being willing to be the 1% to make the 1% shift by shifting the dial forward by 1% and to partner up with others that are willing to do their 1% as well. Because to me, that is what's going to increase economic access and accelerate cultural impact that will narrow the gap from problem to solution across the globe. Big love. See you next time. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave awesome ratings and reviews. Our hope is that this product creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change, to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us at our next Global Human Intelligence Forum or apply to our next Leaders Movement Parlor. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next Global Human Intelligence Podcast.